I'm Laura Zach. And I'm Brittany Ashley. And this is Sicker Sadder World, a podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and relate it to our current world. Let me get out my notebook. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sometimes we record while listening to the background music and we get caught up in yeah jamming. sometimes we just really lay down some freestyle tracks um just for fun you know you guys missed a really hot one that i just laid down sounds like you're talking Took about something shit. else yeah yeah. I <laughs> yeah i'm back to my prim and proper ways oh it sounds like you're talking about something else <laughs> um something that's related to to that which is that laura doesn't say poop uh, was that I bought the first season of The Real World on DVD, and I was watching it last night. Was it in New York? Yes. Um, but the, the, the way that the season was set up is different than any other Real World season, which is that of the seven people, six of them all already live in New York. They have their jobs and their lives established there, and they just bring one person from Alabama named Julie and she lives with them and she's kind of like the experiment and before she moves there her dad who's like this really conservative southern guy um Julie says butt or something like I'm gonna kick your butt and her dad goes when did you start saying butt (laughs) it was so funny Wow, I mean, if you didn't already you have a shocker, yeah. if you weren't about to drop nine podcasts, I'd say we'd have to add real world rewatch. I know that would be a really good one. The realer world, realer world or world? Yeah, that makes sense. I think neither of us are that excited about this episode. It's a tough one because. Um, so so the name Fat Like Me is already off-putting, um, and it's also a play on the book Black Like Me, which is when a white journalist uh, went into the Deep South, and he darkened his skin to portray a black man because he wanted to see how the black man struggled, and he believed that uh, he knew what the struggle was because he had felt this for a short period of time rather than an entire lived experience. And um, that's kind of where the similarity lies with, with how, with how inauthentic Sandy's experiences being uh, what she considers to be plus sized for like three weeks. Well, and also the title of the episode is not, it's not, like meant to be taken in like a self-empowered way a la like Lindy West Shrill or something right, yeah. like it's yeah it's meant to be dimin- diminutive and anyway we'll get into all the problems of it but um but before we get into that what what you got going on so uh this Sunday which is Mother's Day I'm going to be announcing my new podcast called uh Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead And it's where I interview other people who have lost their moms. And yeah, I mean, it's the perfect time to drop it because this is the week of the year where every makeup, hair, or dish place that I've ever bought anything from sends me an email reminding me to buy a mani-pedi for my dead mom. So it's the perfect time to reach out to other 
motherless peeps and uh yeah hopefully it's provide crazy them how specific that targeted marketing is it's like so they adjust, irritating they say pet petty for your dead mom <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that is that is spooky but it's like the container store Groupon, this skincare product that I bought like three years ago. It's every single place. 1-800-Flowers because I got flowers for someone like seven years ago. And they all just target you and tell you to get something for mom. And it's... Find new ways to hurt your feelings. Yeah. I mean, they really don't take into account that... Imagine like just losing your mother and then getting one of those and not fucking throwing your phone out the window. Luckily, I've had 20-something years to harden. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I um, am am, uh, also dropping something called waiting for my ear to pop. Oh, yeah, that didn't happen yet. No, I flew yesterday on a plane, and you know that delightful feeling where one side of your head just stays clogged up? That was over 24 hours ago now and my right side has still not popped have you done this thing okay oh i just did it with my own ear well the funny thing is is you know when like something's wrong and you you tell someone or you tell multiple people and they all give you the same exact advice and you're like yes that's the first thing i did and googled but what if you try it what what if you try it right now okay I'm also, like, very stuffy. So. Yeah, yeah, no excuses. That just made me, I have to blow my nose now. Oh, one <laughs> sec. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. This is my style. Got to get up. Excuse me. Excuse me. I've got to be So I'm not feeling my bestest, but uh, we're, I'm going to do my bestest. So, yeah. Season 5, episode 3, Fat Like Me. And here's the thing. We've glossed over it in past episodes, but this show has not, not done a great job at not being problematic. I mean, there's plenty of ways it's problematic sometimes. But when it's come to body image and not traditional beauty standard bodies they haven't done a great job either of representing it or when it has shown up it's been ridiculed or presented as repulsive like with that cookie or the cookie bar woman the chocolate chocolate bar Ooh, a cookie bar that sounds sounds delicious oh man manifest your dreams maybe that's just what i wanted for myself yeah and they show her as being unhealthy and aggressive and um and yeah, sickly and yeah, excessive. Like excessive. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and she shows up one other time as someone in like the Costco style store trying to work Fight the system. Mr. Martino, yeah. Well, and get free samples, mm-hmm. I believe. So while overall the theme of this episode is meant to be tongue in cheek, it's meant to seem absurd that Sandy thinks that she's fat, but it's kind of problematic on two levels because it's sort of like making fun of or or mocking someone with like body dysphoria and potentially a eating disorder. And then simultaneously it's within the context of a show that ha- hasn't handled um, fat characters well at all. And this also remember that episode where uh, they all tell these like urban legends, Sandy's urban legend was also. About, oh, so creepy. And that was about having an eating disorder And and I guess like, in in some way, I guess they're trying to show that the one character that feels so imprisoned by the societal beauty standard of weight, uh, she, she's also the one that is enforcing it on other people. So right. in a way, it's like the cyclical thing that she the first scene is the first scene that she's in is in the fashion club where she's trying to say that they should shed three pounds off of um, the requirements of someone to get into the fashion club. So they, so they'd have to be three pounds less than what they already had it at. And, you know, but obviously by the end of the episode, she's gone through what she believes is like this journey to like have empathy for someone who isn't a size zero. And she budges a little bit, but she's still the person that is enforcing it over everyone else. So it's like, you're your own worst enemy chick. Right, but that's what part of the issue I have with how the show presented it. They spent all the time making it seem like Sandy and people like Sandy are the sole people responsible for perpetuating that idea and attitude without examining at all how she's a victim of it. Like, without examining in, like, a, a bigger way how she is, is just, you know, a pawn in the patriarchy. Yeah, and it's and it's almost like is her take on it like if you can't beat them, join them, and like be the one enforcing it. I guess I just don't, I don't know. I I mean I think luckily towards the end, Quinn and Tiffany and and Stacy feel like they can stand up to her a little bit more about these ridiculous rules that she's trying to put in place for whoever's even trying to join the fashion club. Like I don't think there's anyone out there that actually wants to, and I don't even believe that they're actually open to inviting people, but. She seems to be the one person who is trying to set these impossible standards for who she allows into her club. When she lowers the required weight limit, she says that she's doing it because of a growing obesity problem, as if it's a humanitarian concern. Master manipulator, that one. But, you know, karma is a bitch, and right after she has presented this as the new policy she slips on one of her brother's skates or roller skates no it's um it's a toy car it's a remote control car ah classic she slips on that at the top of a stairwell falls down the stairwell and breaks her leg and oh my leg it's so sudden too she's like i broke my leg yeah, she was really great at self-diagnosis. Yeah. I would be like, "It's fine," and then three years later, find out that it was broken. Yeah, you'd be like, "I don't want to. I don't want to put anyone out. Yeah. I don't want to bother anyone." <laughs> You're just like, "No, this is totally good." 
No, my bone has always gone that way. If I just slide it, I I feel like I I can tend to walk a little bit better, actually. And before we find out what has happened to Sandy, what the other consequences of this break are, we cut to Daria and Jane having pizza, and they're feeling a little bit like they want to throw down with some bets. And it also, like, throughout the whole episode, their storyline is they're making wagers with each other kind of predicting what everyone around them will do showing that you know how observant they are um but also how just predictable everyone is uh to like a specific degree but then we also think that maybe it's to get them a little bit back to normal huh huh hey hey who i mean i think phys ed also did that the last episode Right. They were they were united again and kind of falling back into similar dynamics. Wow. You just said united. Okay. Were you in chorus? Uh, I briefly was just for one year because I did band and they let us do both for one year. Sometimes I'll hear something that someone says and then I just totally in my head burst into like a full song. And, like, I remember every single word and, like, the crescendos. And when you said United, it was dun, 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 United, we stand. Well, that's funny because when you just told that story, this is what came into my head. All the things you said, all the things you said, in my head, running in my head, running in my head. And all I thought was, this is not enough. This is not enough. And then I thought about the new Celine Dion song, which I love. How does that one go? Uh, I haven't listened to it enough times for it to be stuck in my head yet, but the vibe is like, beauty will rise from the ashes. That's not it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Let beauty rise from the ashes. Oh, my dog's name was Beauty, and now I just pictured her rise from the ashes. I just watched the episode of Buffy where the cat comes, the zombie cat comes back. Wow, we are just like popcorn. Wow. <laughs> For like someone with half a working head and and a lot of phlegm in, in me. I mean, I guess you have the same amount of phlegm. You have the same amount of like potential phlegm. Because I have allergies? No, just because you're a human body. Oh. I thought you meant like me specifically. I have as much phlegm as you. We all have the we all are phlegm and potentiality. But anyway, I'm sorry. I don't really I didn't really catch what the motivation was for them to be having these wagers. I guess they're just bored. And yeah, they're like looking at Kevin and and betting what he's going to do with the pepperonis on his pizza. And sure enough, he puts them on his eyeballs and pretends he's blind. How the fuck does that not hurt? They're not necessarily spicy if you keep your eyeballs closed. Like, they're on top of the eyelids. But they leave, like, a greasy residue, like a peppery residue. I mean, I guess when you're a football player, just, like, pain is weakness leaving the body, you know? Okay. So the Fashion Club learns that Sandy, after being home recovering for a little while, that she's gained some weight, but... Hardly any. No, hardly. I mean, there's maybe a slight more of a like curve to her belly, which is somewhat showing because she's also wearing sweatpants. She's let herself go in ways that have nothing to do with her weight. Um, but of course, that's what the fashion club hones in on right away. I'm getting Regina George vibes. 
Isn't it crazy that that was Rachel McAdams? Do you ever just sit back and you're like, holy fuck, that was Rachel McAdams. Like, she truly really embodied that role. And I forget that sweet, sweet Rachel McAdams was Regina George. Do you ever sit and think about that? I mean, it fits for me. It's not like a stretch. That's wild. What what do you know her most for? Like, when you think of the Rachel McAdams you know, how do you know she's not actually Regina George? I think of her as, like, Wedding Crashers. Like, the reason I saw Wedding Crashers three times in the movie theater, it's not because it was a good movie. It was because Rachel McAdams was so fucking charming. Are you going to see Disobedience? I think so. You just don't. That that's that doesn't. I mean, I have movie pass, so I can see whatever the fuck I want. Okay. No, like I can see. <laughs> like the the joy of having movie pass is that I this episode is sponsored, sponsored by, by movie pass. The joy of having movie pass is that some films that I generally would wait until it like goes on Netflix or Hulu is that I actually do go to the theater and see it. Um, and that's what and i'll see it totally but you're not particularly excited even though you're very charmed by rachel mcadam and she's gonna be a lesbian uh yeah i mean again it's a straight guy directing it you know what i mean like it, it's yeah and a straight woman playing it yeah two straight women <sighs> yeah and so i i don't know i just don't get as jazzed when it's I mean, of course, there's like some excitement to when a a straight actress that you really enjoy is playing a gay character because there's like a, you know, a t- childish teenager in me that's like, ooh, but in general, I'd rather see a story where the person's out so you can actually like pay attention to the character because in, uh, and I'll admit it, I will I'm so stuck in my own bias where I'm just thinking, is is Rachel McAdams secretly bi? Because she's doing this so well. You know what I mean? And I've heard the sex scene is actually really quite nice in it. Oh, that's nice. I'll see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll see it. Like, and I'm happy to support queer films. I've also heard it's less so queer and more about faith, but... Um, yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, gotta have faith, as Fred Durst and George Michael said. Wow. Fred Durst first. Fred first. Oh, I hate myself. (laughs) So Sandy's going to be in a cast for a month. I just had one of those like whiffs of like what cast smell smells like. What what smells like? Cast smell. Oh, just like from muscle memory of having your own cast? Yeah, I broke my wrist. Did, uh... Do you mean like the space between your skin and the cast? The space between yourself and oh the cast. Oh my god, we're never going to get through this. I know. I need to just like drown in Benadryl. <laughs> I feel like we're stuck in this like super mediocre episode. <laughs> okay. Word association. That's basically what we've come to. Word association. Okay. Do you want to hear what my favorite line of the episode was? Phoebia? No. And a guy once took me to a chain restaurant. No, tell us about it. I, uh, well, the part I was thinking of is in Mr. DiMartino's class when he's teaching a lesson on the Great Depression and he asks Brittany a question that, of course, she can't answer. And, and he asks if she has a phobia of thinking. And she says she has a phoebia, which I wasn't sure if that was a friend's reference. Oh. Because Phoebe was like the ditzy one. 
Which, if that was a Friends reference, that was kind of smart in Britney's part. I don't think it was a Friends reference. I think she didn't know what phobia was. I do think that she gave a somewhat um, good guess of an answer. What was her answer? People were depressed because they didn't have money. Yeah, honestly, that is a fair answer. That checks out. That's also kind of accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So Daria and Jane are still making bets and in the class, and DiMartino seems to be back to square one after the progress he made over the summer. He seems to fully hate his life again. And it's revealed that, you know, Sandy is whatever, like 10 pounds heavier, which apparently is fat in their world, and she's humiliated. And then Quinn and... Quinn and Stacy are talking about it, and Stacy says she looks good for a fat person. And then they call her thinly challenged or differently weighted. And they suggest that maybe Sandy can become like an inspirational speaker, a representative for fat people. It just doesn't get better from this point on. Um, but this is where we are. <laughs> and then Quinn goes over there, and isn't that when. Uh... Sandy says that she has to resign and that Quinn would become president. And then Quinn, just out of respect, because she does, you know, think about other people sometimes. She says, oh, Sandy, I could never do that. Obviously, like, you're the president. And then Quinn kind of fucks herself over because then Sandy's like, oh, that's great. Like, we both are resigning. Thank you so much for doing that. I feel like that was always Sandy's intention, though. It was quite a power move. But then she, like, cries. Like, she weeps. And in a weird way, we, like, despite the fact that her emotion is so fake, like, what what her emotion uh, is about is so trivial, we do see this person express emotion and it's towards Quinn. And so fine line between love and hate, you know? Yeah, I know. At first I was like, wait, did I miss something? There's going to be a catch here because she seemed to be acknowledging like Quinn is second in command. But then it was one of those things where you don't want the person to do the thing, but you don't want to seem like you don't want it. And so you're like, as soon as they're like, oh, no, I could never. You're like, oh, are you sure? Okay, great. Yeah. Totally. You know, where everyone's out politing each other or passive aggressively doing the dance. Yeah. Sandy, it, sort of the power move there was like, I think she knows that the fashion club will go under without her and Quinn. And yeah. so she's sort of like, without me, it can't exist. Yeah. So then when Stacy and Tiffany take it over, <laughs> Tiffany does absolutely nothing and Stacy is trying is trying as hard as she can but she absolutely cannot work with tiffany like it 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 won't work without someone trying to lead it won't it, like it won't work without the dynamic that that is already set in place despite the fact that it's kind of a weird abusive dynamic it's something that i think they're all comfortable with yeah this episode i mean one thing that i will give it is it really explores a lot of the personality and psychological dynamics of the individual members of the fashion club like one thing i i sort of respect sandy for is that yes she sort of rules by fear and by these arbitrary rules that she decides but she she applied it to herself when she no longer fit her own self-imposed you know weight requirement she resigned and um 
she knows that like that's the only way that people are going to respect whatever she says when it applies to her as well. And then also with Stacy, I think we really saw this episode how she's pretty intelligent. Like she's got a grip, but she has no confidence. Like she she in some ways is is brighter than Quinn. Yeah. Uh or a little bit more like socially tuned into the moment. But she is completely um debilitated by insecurity. Yeah, she has too much fear and I think what we see uh in the end is that no one person is or I mean aside from Sandy not Quinn, Tiffany or Stacy feel comfortable you know even expressing the fact that they'd maybe want to do like an uprising against Sandy because they'd be too afraid of like the other people like Sandy getting the other people to gang up on them. And so um, it's kind of nice to see Quinn stand her ground and Stacy and Tiffany back her up rather than going with Sandy this time. It was kind of like a sweet moment. Yeah, I liked it too. And this, this predicament that the fashion club finds themselves in of potentially facing their own ruin becomes the main thing that Daria and Jane place a wager on where Jane thinks that the fashion club is going to break up and Daria thinks that um, they'll figure it out. And, and um, then as they, you know, are sort of watching on to see what's going to happen, they both separately manipulate the situation to try to deliver the outcome they want to see. So in Jane's case, she she talks to Brittany in Quinn's line of line of of, of hearing. She she talks about how she sh- never go behind. Your yeah, she back. talks about like how horrible betrayal is. Betrayal. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes Quinn not want to betray Sandy. But then San. But then Daria uh, at their house says something that gets her to do the opposite. So they're both trying to influence Quinn in one way or another. And we see that Quinn is kind of just like in hell (laughs) this episode, even though she's not the person who deserves to feel the anguish. She kind of got stuck in the middle um, and she's the one that has to, to figure it out. And the way she decides to try to address the problem is she she ultimately follows Daria's advice which is that she should try to help Sandy so then she kind of becomes a her like training coach like she goes over there and gives her an inspiring beautiful on the inside speech but then she says that she's going to help Sandy lose the weight and um oh another thing that was fucked up about this episode. There's really so much to pick apart, but I mean, there's really not enough time and not enough uh, space in my head right now. But one thing was one of the reasons the fashion club was saying that they can't, they would have to disband is because there was no one else worthy of being in their club, which the criteria was like about being good looking and fashionable. And, I'm like, what the fuck? What about Jody, you fucking racists? Yeah, and even, like, Brittany. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel with Brittany, like, the fashion club would would probably see themselves as above her intellectually. And there's no way that Jody would ever 
join the fashion club. So maybe in some ways they sense that and don't approach it. But I, and I also think that they, if they ever did have someone else join, they would target someone who wouldn't take attention away from them. So it would have to be like the perfect person that kind of fits in, but also blends in and doesn't take away like male attention from Quinn or Sandy. Yeah, but this is... So therefore, Jody wouldn't be able to join because she would fucking crush it. No, but this is without Quinn and Sandy in the equation. This is when it's Stacy and Tiffany looking for others to join. So they're kind of... they, They really need a new alpha. Jody would be perfect if she wasn't way too good for them. Yeah. Sorry. There's this really great outfit that Quinn's wearing when she's like the swim coach. Yeah. And she's... She really butches out. Yeah, she does. Oh, she she tells uh, Sandy's tired in the pool and Quinn says, beauty never rests. Swim, you cow. Swim. Just fucking terrible. Yeah. And in the meantime, another thing that the fashion club is trying to do is consider allowing boys into their club. And they um, call it jocks on frocks, <laughs> which was pretty excellent. And they invite the three J's over and say that they can look at bikinis and as soon as the three J's realize that they're talking about, like, actual fabric and not boobs, they they peace out. Which I get. Yeah, honestly, I, I, nah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> honestly, bro. What seems like the dying gasp of the fashion club is Stacy finally getting super fed up with Tiffany being a total narcissist. Because basically, any time that Stacy brings up a, did you hear that? No. What? Ah, my ear didn't fully pop, but it like half popped. Oh, I thought you like saw something over here, or God fucking forbid, another person outside the window. No, it was just so loud in my ear that I thought maybe it was captured on the podcast, which would have been amazing. I'm gonna listen back. Okay. But yeah, anytime that Stacey's bringing up a different topic, like a different fashion topic, Tiffany immediately makes it about her. Like, do you think I'd be cute in that thing? Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because if you think back on uh, some of the earlier episodes, it's always Stacey who's kind of the more insecure one asking questions like that. But then, yeah, I mean, like they really just have these like, I think that Tiffany's self-obsession is out of narcissism, and I think that perhaps Stacy's is out of paranoia, but it's both equally. Well, again, and they're both uh, they're both suffering at the hands of the beauty myth and gender norms. Yeah. Poor and... gals. What's that? Poor gals. Yeah, and and when Stacy has had it with Stif- Tiffany, Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie, show me, some, hey, show me some bikinis if you know what I mean, <laughs> Stephanie. You're like Upchuck and Butthead, Butchuck. Upchuck. <laughs> Butchuck's a good name. So Jane thinks she's won. She really the thinks she's won, yeah. Because it seems like all is lost until dun da da da. Sandy triumphantly rides in on a horse. No, just a metaphorical one. Unless I really was tripping and missed something big in the episode, but she is thin again. Wow, what we should aspire to, and uh, that was sarcasm, <laughs> Stephanie. 
And I am I am so in a weird place right now. You guys, thank you for your patience. You're she's welcome, back. Laura. Okay. And she's back. Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, what's going on with you? And then she's the president again. It's just immediately implied that like she and Quinn will be reinstated. And one of her first official duties as president again is to alter some of the rules for admission to the fashion club on a case-to-case basis but they do keep some rules and did you notice that we learned that lesbians aren't allowed in the fashion club in this moment because the first rule she says is no short nails that's fucked up yeah so shortest nails racist homophobic fat phobic and then quinn though has I feel like Quinn topping Sandy in the training montage made her it sh- it shifted the it shifted power the control it yeah, shifted too. the power yeah. dynamic because she is still VP to Sandy's P but Quinn when we see them in their final meeting when they're all reunited Quinn is pushing back she's really a lot more vocal about her needs and concerns and doesn't just like roll over she's kind of like situating herself as a co-alpha and sandy you know doesn't you can tell there's a little bit of a tentativeness because she's like well shit the only reason i'm here now is this person so quinn quinn has a power now should she choose to wield it oh and she'll fucking wield it and then there's some storyline with jake eating a burger that i didn't understand at all so not gonna talk about it so we have a special treat for you all to wrap up this episode and there's this is going to be something that happens in a few episodes of this final season where Brittany and I have asked people that we went to high school with to provide testimonials about who we were as teenagers at that time in our lives in the 90s well for me in the 90s just kidding for me in the the 2000s So my friend Alex sent over this first one, and uh, you all and Laura will hear it for the first time now. When I think of Brittany in high school, I definitely remember our horribly awkward times together in choir, where we had to sing and do full choreography to Hairspray the Musical, or dress like we were in medieval times for weird singing theater dinners. And I definitely remember our weekly hangouts to watch the ever-so-appropriate Nip Tuck. And I think I will always remember the multiple times she was kicked out of our Spanish class for being a little too enthusiastic about our extra credit games where we got points on tests. Where one time she yelled at our teacher that she was just a game. Or the other time where she accused her of being in love with another student as a reason for why she picked his answer over our correct one. So that was Brittany in high school. Okay, hold on. You being kicked out of class for being too into extra credit is the most Brittany thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It's like you still do that, but there's fewer consequences. There's no, like one authority authority figure to be like whoa Brittany rein it in there is such a thing as too much yeah I guess that authority figure is just like physical inability to do something so it's just like self-mutilation thank you for listening to this episode of sicker sadder world 
We are cruising on through this fifth and final season. We will be finishing off the season and doing the film. Is it college yet? But, but it's not over yet. No. We're still here. Settle in. Oh my God. Summer is coming. Woot woot. And uh, if you want to check us out on Patreon, we have a Patreon. If you want to check us out, we have a website, sickersatterworld.com. We're on Twitter. If you want to leave us a little review on iTunes or uh, rate us, uh, hot or not, let us know. And Yeah, definitely let us know if you want to rate us hot or not. (laughs) And also get psyched for Angel on Top. We're going to drop a trailer soon and also... Uh, some perks for our early Patreon supporters over there. So we'll let you know when that's up. Talk to you soon. Bye.